The Mets frustrating 2021 season is just days away from coming to an end. And boy, did they struggle on the road. And that might have been what doomed this team. We'll discuss Noah Syndergaard's return and whether they should give him the qualifying offer and what other Mets should come back in 2022. Our special final regular season guest is former Mets GM and current ambassador with the organization. That would be Omar Manaya. So join us as we near the finish line here on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Give us that five-star rating. Write in a nice review as we approach the end of another sub-500 Mets season. Make sure you subscribe to Post Sports Plus as well. Free 30-day trial. Omar Manaya, the former Mets GM, is going to join us a little bit later in the show. Figgy, he will be our final guest. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa here. Jake Brown Radio, Figgy NY, at Amazing But True. And the final home game tonight, people probably hear this Friday. You know, it was a fun season at home. It was weird. Up until the last month and a half was super depressing. But Figgy, this was a Mets team here as we approach the final series against the Braves in Atlanta. The Mets entering Thursday, eight games under. They can't finish under 500 and they can't finish in second place. So they finish in third and sub 500. A 46 and 34 team at home, Figgy, entering the final game 29 and 49 on the road and even the Orioles were only a couple of games worse on the road you know the Cubs were the same as the Mets on the road a lot of teams the Rockies were a couple of games worse I mean a lot of teams were as bad or better than the Mets on the road and that's really you know not the only thing that plagued them but you just can't be that bad on the road and make the playoffs well it's not just bad on the road it was just almost historically bad it felt you know once the September 11th game was over and it was all the fireworks and all the festivities and everything was great. And okay, now they're, they're, let's make a push. And the Cardinals came to town and just spanked them. That was where it was like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Meanwhile, you turn around and look at the Cardinals and what they did as they just ran away with it. You know, nobody saw that coming. Everybody assumed it was going to be uh, the wild card all wrapped up in the National League West with the Dodgers and the Giants and Padres taking up all that room. But no, Cardinals just got on that hot streak like we saw with um it was a Cleveland a few years ago 22 straight something like that and wind up riding that wave all the way to the World Series but um yeah it was very disappointing in a lot of different areas uh it, it, there's no one way to pinpoint it we just never saw any consistency with the offense i mean guys like Dom Smith just disappeared literally disappeared uh you know such a bat that was supposed to be so important for this lineup. J.D. Davis was Mr. Irrelevant. VR was playing so well, you had to have him in there every day. And then, of course, when you get Baez in there, you got to have McNeil somewhere. And uh, sometimes there's just, you know, people are the odd man out. But overall, once they lost DeGrom and the consistency of an ace who can give you multiple innings and, and save that bullpen, it was just a matter of time before the bullpen was going to kind of shoot themselves in the foot 
early and often. Lugo, I still can't get over how Lugo has a 3.5 ERA. It seems to me every time, every other time he comes in, he gets shellacked and gives up a bunch of runs. I got to do some more research and check out his inherited runners scored because it seems like he comes in in clean innings and yet he only has a 3.5 ERA. It doesn't make any sense to me because I see him giving up a ton of runs this year. Well, I think also sometimes he'll give up hits and then Loop will come in and Loop bail him been, out. Too. Oh my God, Loop has been outstanding. 0.95 ERA. You that like. That should be like the first thing they do after the firings is bring back Aaron Loop because point nine five is just absurd. Yeah, it, it's not just a point nine five; it's a point nine five in every single scenario they brought him in. Right? They didn't even have a lefty, a second lefty, you know, that they could count on. They went out and got Brad Hand and kind of giving him an a, a open tryout. Uh, for next year if they're going to bring him back as well or at least try to and uh hand hasn't looked terrible just doesn't look the same as he did a couple years ago and we've already gone into reasons why i feel like you know he was a sticky substance guy that really benefited from it Uh, a lot of those guys are you know you see the spin rates have dropped off and you can see really a good curveball and then a really bad curveball a hanging curveball and then all of a sudden one that spiked all the way in the dirt brad hand is one of those guys but aaron loop wow I mean, uh, what an amazing uh, pickup, find, and uh, such a revelation where in this game of everybody throwing, you know, upper 90s to 100, this guy's, you know, 92, but he's painting it on both sides of the plate, moving the ball around. He has, you know, his secondary stuff plays really well because his funky arm angles. And you know what he has? He has, you know, the most important thing for a reliever in New York. He has balls. He has balls and he'll come in in any situation and, you know, get the job done. And we saw that every single time, except for once that I can remember the Crawford, the Crawford double on the first pitch. But other than that, man, he's been outstanding. Yeah, we saw that up close. I was actually pissing while we were in the Honda clubhouse and I, I actually missed it live because, you know, I had to, had to break the seal that that time. But, uh, you know, Aaron Loop's got to come back and, you know, we're putting the bow tie in this season and looking ahead and Sandy Alderson said much of nothing. Honestly, I'm I'm sick of him. I hate that Sandy Alderson, you know, they're they're make he's making the decision about Rojas and Rojas gone. All the reports are saying hopefully they do it Monday, you know, so for us so we could record the podcast after I don't want to record a show three hours later. Rojas gets fired. It's pretty much a lock. He's gone, but said much of nothing. You know, it seemed like just the very same old Will Pony Mets from a lot of Sandy Alderson's comments. And I don't know. I'm sick of this guy here. It makes no sense that he's, you know, deciding the Mets future when he's pretty much done after 2022. I I just am so befuddled by the fact that he will continue to be the team president. Obviously, they'll look at Theo, they'll look at Chernoff, they'll look at, you know, Billy Bean. There's going to be a long list of names that try to run baseball operations. But Figgy, this everything under Alderson's watch has gone to, you know what? It's gone to crap. It's gone to poop. It's been terrible. You know, and then he, he said literally nothing. He said a bias. Is it realistic? Maybe. He said, well, we'd like to bring him back. Yes. Is it realistic? Maybe. Like, what? Like, everything he says just doesn't really make sense. And, you know, Puma had interesting, you know, Puma came out firing. I thought that was our best Mike Puma segment on the last episode. He came out swinging. And, you know, he said Cohen doesn't really know a lot of baseball people. And that shows because Sandy is a thing of the past. He's he's baseball 15, 20 years ago. You know, the new direction is, is younger hires, and we're seeing – so many good ones lead organizations like the Rays. Look at the San Francisco Giants, what they're doing. Look at what the Dodgers do. I mean, explosive teams. And here the Mets are with this old president who doesn't know what he's doing. And I'm genuinely concerned that he's still running ship. I'm, you know, I'm hoping they make the right decisions with manager and president of baseball ops, but I'm not in love with uh, Sandy continuing to run the ship to start this long off season beginning Monday. 
Yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely lost its luster. Even when we were kind of banking on, hey, you know, he's done this before. He's kind of treaded water and then, uh, you know, went out and got a big fish and added pieces and done things the 2015 way. I didn't see that same guy. I didn't see that same game plan from the beginning. It was kind of, he was sitting back and just waiting for, you know, to see how it would shake out. And if uh, I told you, I'm telling you right now that they, they, they were sitting in meetings and they said, hey, let's see what August looks like. Mm, where do you think we would come out in August? And if you ran a simulation of how their games would go, they probably went exactly how they went. They were going to lose most of the games against the, the Dodgers and the Giants. And they figured it wasn't our time. Why are we going to deplete our farm system? By the way, the farm system, can you, uh, Brian, look up the records. For all the minor league teams, for all the minor league teams for the Mets. So just get an idea of what, what what's in the pipeline of winning baseball. As I'm talking about the rest of Sandy's tenure, he was a, a safe, comfortable play for Steve Cohen. Probably the closest person to him who knew him a little bit and, and you know, he respected him as a baseball man. But yeah, I could see how the game is evolving. Things are changing. I mean, they're trying the analytics. They've bumped up the analytics out the wazoo. Now everything is questioning the analytics and questioning where is the gut feel? Where's the experienced managers who've done this before or or have you know said, you know what, to hell with what the computer says. I'm going on. This guy's hit two home runs in his last two at-bats. We saw a few moments like that, but not nearly enough by Rojas. And I think that's what ultimately will cost him is that He's sitting there and, and worried about pitchers' pitch counts as you're in a pennant race in August and September. That's not where it's at. I mean, you've got to be able to push your guys beyond what they normally can do. That's what a, a really good manager does. He and makes- you want to see a sense of urgency. You know, you didn't see it from Rojas, but from Sandy too, Figgy, is like there needs to be changes. And in everything he said, it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel like, you know, we have to grow within. We have to grow our own players. The McNeils, Confortos, Doms. I, I guess with games like he's not going to call guys out but it didn't seem like there was an urgency that we needed to see from sandy yeah i mean it basically comes down to it was the hitting it was the hitting all year long it was hitting with runners in scoring position it was leaving guys on base it was not getting the clutch hit it was what we thought there was nice depth and those players that were injured for so long they would come back in and all of a sudden this lineup would be so deep and you had this bench that they could just call upon and meanwhile you were like you know what we kind of like some of these bench players to have a starting role the starting players became bench players and then it, it just I, I don't know the whole thing lost its luster once DeGrom was gone it, it just set up the whole pitching staff for failure it was a different vibe when you're coming into town and yes, Stroman pitched great as a pseudo ace, I guess, manning the mantle while DeGrom was hurt. Now you're looking at four question marks in your rotation for next year. Everyone that got hurt never came off the IL. I mean, guys came up here and threw two innings and they were done. They were gone. That's why, you know, they wound up going through 65 players in a Met uniform. It's, it's, it was a very frustrating year. I can imagine for management as well. Anything they tried to do or any kind of continuity that they thought they had went really far left very quickly. I don't think they had the same lane, the same lineup, you know, more than like two or three times. It was frustrating to watch. And then when you had McCann being outplayed by Nito and you rode that wave for a little while and then you tried to go back to, you you know, McCann a little bit and just wasn't the same. And when you look across town at real, or I should say down South and Philadelphia, and you got real Muto there for, yes, it's a three times his salary, but man, he's three times the player all the way around. 
I, I'm convinced of that. Yeah, let, let's do here before we go to Omar Minaya a little quick hits on a few you know Mets notes here from this last week. One, Noah Syndergaard came back, looked good, Figgy. One strong inning, struck out two. People were going goo goo gaga over the one inning. Give him twenty million right now. It's one inning in two years. Calm down. You know this is Cohen team. He's got money, so I'm fine. I get it if he's healthy. That's what a pitcher of his level is going to get. There is a 110% chance he accepts the qualifying offer because why wouldn't you, Figgy, accept $20 million? Uh, it was good to see him at 96. It was good to see that, you know, the, the changeup looked good. We didn't see the other off-speed stuff because, you know, the doctor said they advised against it. So we'll see that next year. But it, it seems like a lock that he would accept it. And Figgy, it seems like a lock that the Mets will probably give it to him, despite the critics would say he didn't pitch enough to earn that. And the the people who aren't critics, what's the opposite of critic? Uh, the agreeers, the the non naysayers. Um, <laughs> You're making it up as you go along. I need a vacation. I need a vacation. The non naysayers would say, "Look, he's got good stuff. He's a number two starting pitcher. Those guys get twenty million. So it, it seems like the Mets are going to try and bring him back with that qualifying offer." Yeah, one of the guys that was a comp for him early on would have been Nate Evaldi. Um, the only problem was Nate Evaldi didn't have close to Syndergaard numbers his whole career. He had the you know he turned it on with Boston in the second half, but wound up becoming a reliever during the playoffs and in that eighteen inning game was really what won him over with Boston and them thinking, what a weapon we have. This guy could start, this guy can relieve, this guy can do anything. And Syndergaard's a much much better pitcher than Nate Evald. Bottom line, he has been throughout his career. No, yeah, I agree. And uh, Brian actually came with the record. It's, it's it's ugly for the minor leagues. 47 and 60 Binghamton, 50 and 72 Syracuse, 40 and 70 Brooklyn. So from top to bottom, this organization stunk it up. Uh, it's a problem. You know, we, we'll hear about, you know, maybe Mark Vientos is a guy that comes up next year. Maybe we see a little Beatty, but not good for the minors than 60 and 55. Port St. Lucie, of course, the guys who are furthest away from the big leagues uh, did well. So that's an answer. Conforto's, uh, you know, an answer. We'll we'll see about him. And Jared Kalenic is tweeting LFGM for Mariners fans. So I mean, <laughs> you, you can't make it up. He's got his own LFG Mariners is what he's doing, putting it in the Mets' faces. Well, we'll talk more about what's coming to the offseason. And shout out Taiwan Walker at a nice final start. It'll be the Mets' probably fourth or fifth starter next year. We'll talk about all the offseason moves coming on Monday's podcast. But, you know, with the subject of GMs, new GMs, new uh, team presidents of baseball operations, new managers. We'll talk with the guy who used to be the Mets GM on teams that, you know, one team that made the playoffs. That'd be Omar Minaya. He joins Amazing But True next. Joining us now on Amazing But True is a guy who used to be the Mets general manager in the glory days for me as a kid, you know, 06, where we were a base hit, a double. I won't remind fans about 06, but, you know, good memories back in those Mets teams, 05 to 2010. He is now in an ambassadorship role with the Mets. Let's welcome into Amazing But True, Omar Manaya. Omar, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Very happy to be part of your show. Yes, you are the final guest before Monday. We kind of put the bow tie on what has been uh, a roller coaster season, Omar, hasn't it? Well, it's been a, a roller coaster season for us. Yes, it has. You know, one of those weird seasons where, you know, the team was in first place so many times and you kind of sensed throughout the year that you, you were the four or five game uh, up 
uh, area. And, you know, you guys know being in this game, four or five games, is, all it takes is one bad uh, losing streak. And the next thing you know, you're tied. So, you know, listen, it's been a year where, you know, with injuries, with the first year back from COVID, a lot of things that we didn't expect. Uh, the guys, the one thing about the guys, they competed. There's no doubt they're still competing every day. And uh, so, but it is, you know, when you don't play in October, uh, you when you feel like you have a team that should play in October, you feel somewhat like you didn't, you know, we haven't accomplished the goal. Yeah, yeah, you know, 90 days in first place, Omar, we were we were pretty pumped. I mean, this team, and especially at home, I mean, I was there, I've been in like 50, 55 games this year, and they were exciting. We had walk-offs left and right. We had unlikely heroes like Jonathan VR, and I think we kind of look ahead to the offseason like, yes, there needs to be a lot of changes, but there were things that happened. Obviously, DeGrom getting hurt was a killer, but there were pieces in place and things that happened that have you thinking about a bright future. So at least we have that to go to, but you'd have to agree that there is a lot of work cut out for Steve Cohen and company this offseason because I don't think this team is years away. I think next year fans fans look at this team potentially being a uh, playoff contender. Without a doubt. The team, uh, you felt this year that this was a playoff player contending team and just the number of days that we were in first place. But also you can remember uh, there was a lot of good wins, you know, quality wins, wins that you know, and Figgy, you know that uh, those wins kind of, uh, when you win that game, I remember that game against the Marlins when uh, when uh, Baez scored from first base. Those kind of games tell you, wow, well, maybe there's something special here. And it didn't turn out that way. So it does tell you that going into the next year, and you still have a, a, a young core of guys. Yes, there will be some free agents. Still have what I think is the best pitcher in the game in, in the grab. And you still have a very good closer in Diaz. And you still have a, a, a Lindor. So there is a core group of guys that you feel you're going to be in contention. But we're still playing the games and as far as play next year, it's like, I, I don't know, I'm one of those that you say to yourself, man, this we you know we have a good team. We we should be playing in October. Yeah, without a doubt, I think the biggest concern, of course, was the inconsistency with the hitting, um, top to bottom. I think you could point to two guys as saying that they had you know kind of what you expected from them. Nimmo when he was healthy, and of course Pete Alonso with putting up the power numbers and RBIs. But such a down year from uh, guys that you really counted on, like Conforto, Dom Smith, um, McNeil. I mean, those are kind of big red flags because if you look at the offense for this team, there are guys that are going to be leaving. There's guys that are going to have an opportunity to sign back, like a, a VR who played his way into a, a, a bigger role. But guys like J.D. Davis, all those offensive pieces, I mean, that you're talking about two-thirds of your lineup from opening day. How big of a concern is that, and what do you think is the remedy for next year? Well, that's a, that's a very good question, Figgy, because you know what? We've seen these guys perform in 2020. We've seen them perform well in 2019. So there is not that... We've seen those numbers and we've seen, you know, the thing that stands out for me as a team, and not so much an individual, but as a team, is, you know, first of all, you know, we play so many close games. I think we've had maybe over 40 to 50 one-run loss games, if I'm not mistaken. But we, or, uh, but the thing, it's not one-run loss game, but they were one-run game. And the thing to me is just when you look at, when you, the uh, the data, the, uh, the, you know, the numbers, I mean, uh, our uh, hitting with runners in scoring position, that has to be 
address. You know, that's something that, you know, you have to be able to get those guys in. You have to be able to get that extra run. What is the approach? What, how, what, what was the thought process? What is the preparation? Those things have to be considered, evaluated as we go into next year. Omar, uh, you know, we are excited about Steve Cohen, but I don't know how much excitement we saw from this year. Obviously, you know, there was the Twitter stuff. There was, you know, Figgy felt. And, you know, I would agree that they didn't do enough at the trade deadline to improve this team. What's your overall thoughts so far on you know the job Steve Cohen uh, has done and what he will bring to the Mets this offseason? Well, I think what he's shown is that he's passionate. I think he's shown that he, he's uh, he's engaged. He uh, he look he's uh, he's passionate about winning. I think the trading deadline. I do believe that when you look at what was done, I mean Hill did a very good job, and of course you look at bias, look at bias numbers. So to me, those were pretty good gets. I think they did a very all those guys that were got at the trading deadline, including Williams, if I'm not mistaken. You know who was right around there. So I do believe those those things worked out. And as far as you know, our owner, you know, Steve is very, you know, he he's a New Yorker. He he he's gonna be. I will tell you, he's he's gonna want to do the best he can to bring a, a championship to New York. Yeah, that for sure. I I, I think. He got the three three pieces, but I look around at the rest of baseball, and especially when you had a lead on the Braves. We were talking about that five-game series with the Braves where the Mets were already up four and a half, and you're like, wow, we could really push them way down. You could push them almost eight to nine games out if you you know won four out of the five games, and that didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, the trade deadline comes, and you're seeing all the reports are saying there's a lot of things happening. The Mets are in on this guy, on that guy, but we're not seeing those big names come around. I mean, Trey Turner – and sure is it to go to the Dodgers. You know, that's a that's a huge impact move on a team that was already playing well over, you know, 500 baseball. The Mets, you could see that there was a lot of things that were going wrong. With DeGrom being out, Syndergaard being pushed back, all the starters that got hurt. Rich Hill was a nice piece, but I think you needed more arms in the pen. Trevor Williams wound up going to the minors when he came over. So it wasn't even like an instant, okay, he's going to help out the pen. He had been a nice, he's done a nice job given the opportunity. I just felt like they didn't want to rush the process and they didn't want to, you know, deplete the minor league system, making these trades for some rentals here and there. But a guy like Baez with the way that he played and you said it yourself that scoring from first base the way he can, he's a dynamic player that I think you have to consider signing back here to have him paired up with Lindor because you got guys that are going to be leaving. I don't know. It's Conforto even a guy that you bring back right now with the way that he played this past season. Well, I think, I think that's something that the new president of the, of operations is going to have to consider all those things. I think, you know, and you make uh, your points are right. Listen, I think when it came to the trading deadline, Turner's and uh, and the uh, Scherzer's, the one thing about Scherzer's, first of all, Scherzer decided where he wanted to go. He had the ability to pick where he wanted to go. So that was something that you can't, you know, that. And then really the other, you know, the, really the one big trade guy, pitching guy that was traded was Barrios. The Berrios, and I do believe that there was there was an attempt and an effort to try to get him. And I will tell you that Toronto paid a very steep price trading a guy like a Martin. But everybody has still you know, did their own thing. But that being said, listen, I, I thought Hill was a good pickup. Look what Hill did. Hill did a great job as a pitcher, you know? And as far as the future, as far as how you're going to fill in those gaps, I'm pretty sure that whenever, whoever is decided, and I, my understanding is you're going to be bringing in a president of baseball operation, that guy is going to be, that's part of the, the fun part, but also the challenge. Have you spoke with, you know, Cohen or anyone about that opening, the president of baseball operations, and any names out there that intrigue you, Omar? No, I have not. Are there any names out there that, that you know, <laughs> Billy Bean, you know, people have been talked about? Any Chernoff has been a, a name out there? You know, Theo Epstein, I think the Cohen would write a blank check to bring him here. Adam Rubin? Any, well, 
<laughs> Not out uh, of room. I, I think I'm in a position right now to, you know, to let others be able to have conversation about those names. I had to try. I had to try. What do you like about Sandy? You, you were the, his special assistant okay. to, to him. What you know? What what does Sandy bring to the table? And also, what what is you know the difference? Can you explain the difference between him being a team president versus president of baseball operations? Like, what will Sandy's role be next year before you know we assume he retires? Well, I. I, I I mean that that question will be more for uh, for Steve Cohen to decide. But to answer your question, what I like about Sandy, of course, I have a lot of history with Sandy. Sandy, first of all, you know, we've been together in, in committees, the Olympic Committee. Uh, we've been together, and you know, just in over the years, when the general managers meeting, over the years when he was in Oakland. I know Sandy. Uh, you know, and the thing that I liked about Sandy was that you know, over you know, he's always been one guy to kind of um, try to look at things different. You know, we go way back to when I was with the Texas Rangers, and he was uh, with Oakland, and they were building an academy in the Dominican. Sandy has always, actually the first time I think my goes back to history of Mary Sandy, Sandy, the uh, Oakland A's had a, a, a an agreement with the uh, the Lise Baseball Club, which you know about that, Figgy, oh, the yeah. Dominican Winter League. So, yeah, so listen, he's been a veteran baseball man over the years and We've had relationships because we either worked together in committees or competed against each other. Question with that, now that you are in a different juncture in your career, I mean, I'm sure you would welcome the opportunity to be a GM somewhere else. You were the first Latin GM ever. So that's something that, of course, you can hang your hat on. I I, I got to feel that with this team being so close to being really good, you want to be involved. And that's why you stay involved with this team. It's hard to walk away. It's hard to go away from this team with everything that you've put into it through all these years so uh, is there a, another opportunity that would arise would you leave this organization well right now i'm, I'm enjoying what i'm doing Biggie. i'm enjoying uh the role that i'm doing i'm enjoying being in new york i'm enjoying being uh, watching the game it's a little different when you're more involved you're kind of uh, your days are different than yeah. you're an ambassador <laughs> mm-hmm. but i i will tell you and there's something about you know we're all baseball guys you know that and when you're a baseball guy you know i love to talk baseball be at the stadium i love the fans you know we speak We've been there together. It's not only about the so. To me, where I am right now, I'm enjoying my role with the Mets. I'm enjoying to be able to be closer to the fan, and those are the things that I that I and that I enjoy. But of course, if things were to come up, you know, you always have to at least consider. Figgy, that's that. That was Omar saying. If there was a GM opening and he got a call, he's t- he's taking the call. That's what I think he's he's saying, right, Omar? <laughs> Listen, I tell you, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. <laughs> no, I and I and I get it, and that that that's a really. I mean, for a guy who, again, a New Yorker who had an opportunity to be a GM of this club, you know, the Los Mets days where it was 19 of the 25 guys were from Latin America. I mean, it was such a proud time. And I think representation is very, very important with this team having six Puerto Ricans on it as of right now. I still think uh, representation has to be up up and down. It has to be boosted because of the fact that the fan base is seeing these guys and seeing these guys get an opportunity in a Met uniform. It's going to be an exciting time, especially for us Boricuas. Well, I think baseball, you know, is very, look what the beauty about baseball over the years is there's really uh, a photocopy of what's uh, around us. And especially baseball is a photocopy of what's, whether it's the Yankees or anybody, you know, you just look around and baseball is just a photocopy of our, the demographics uh, uh, of our country. Omar, you know, 
Is there a sense of pride there? You are from New York. I, I'd imagine. Did you, what, was the Corona Ice King around when you were a kid? Oh, yes. Of course. Oh, yeah. Corona Ice King was around. You got that right. Uh, that's been there forever, my friend. Uh, I've been there forever. I, know, I, used to go, I used to go there as a kid, and it was glorious. You get the rainbow. What were you, rainbow, a cherry, or a lemon guy, or what else? What kind of flavors were you? Well, they, there was a place called Mama's Deli. I don't know if you've ever been to it, but you should try it if you go to Corona. It's 104th and I believe 46th, one of those avenues. But it, that, that'd be... That, that, that belly's been around for over 80 to 90 years. Mama's a Corona. You're not from Queens if you don't know about Mama's a Corona. And they got rid of it at City Field. What was that all about? I don't think they got rid of it. I do believe it was more, it stopped being there because of the pandemic last year. And then this year, I remember it was a, so I, it was not that they got rid of it. I think I think some of the things you might see like that was more pandemic issues that were more than anything else. They were there in 2019. Do you think about two, the 2006 in the back of your mind? Like, do you go to sleep and think, damn, if Beltran, you know, swung at that pitch? Or do you think that team was so damn good? You know, Shea was rocking. Do you think about that, or is is that just a thing of the past and you forget about it? Oh, of course it's not a thing of the past. I'll be lying to you if I tell you it was a thing of the past. You know, you've been there when you were close. But I don't think so much about Beltran. I think that I think that was just a great pitch by a Hall of Famer, a future Hall of Famer, Wainwright. I think more about the 0-2 fastball that motor threw to uh, Fizio in game two. <laughs> so after, after he after he threw two splitter, that species had no chance. I think more about that one. <laughs> and then species is a double in the seventh inning. I think about that. Oh, yes, of course. And I think about Andy's catch. And I think about Andy's catch. And I think everybody, when Andy made that catch, everybody said, we're going to win tonight. But well, we didn't. You know what I'm saying? We had Terry on last week. And, you know, Terry raved about Carlos Beltran as a manager. Felt like he didn't really get a fair shake with the whole Astros situation. You think Beltran will be a great manager one day? Well, first of all, I want to rave about Carlos Beltran as a man. I'm talking about a great, great man. That's what I think. I'm more proud of my relationship with him, not in baseball, but the kind of person that he is. And I knew him, Carl, I've known Carlos when he was 17 years old in Puerto Rico when I tried him out. But the man, he's just a great man. He's a great family man. And then the baseball man, the baseball mind. And uh, you can, you know, I will tell you that a lot of players, he helps every kind of player from all over. I mean, he's just a great mind. And I hope he does get that opportunity because he's a great man and a great baseball. Yeah, there's nothing else that needs to be said about that. A ringing endorsement from Omar Manaya should definitely help go a long way. He was there already. They, they had hired him and with the suspension, he served his time. And now I, I feel like it's really his opportunity. Uh, and, and he's a guy that, man, I just, as long as he can deal with the media, his baseball knowledge is second to none. The way that he can see inside the game, uh, the game within the game, and and you add these numbers, these peripherals with the, the scouting departments getting increased, the analytic departments getting increased, and just his feel of the game. And I, I don't know a player who wouldn't want to play for a guy like Carlos Beltran. He's, you know, figure you've been around him. And I'll tell you what, he's just a, 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 as a person, and I know him very personally. He's just a great person, caring person, giving person. And players just, uh, you know, the reason we decided to hire him was because he just, people just gravitated to him, all players. And I'm talking about not only, you know, players from all, <laughs> I mean, Lucas Duda will swear by him, players that he took care of and he took care of not only, and this is what he's doing right now. My understanding is that he's out in Puerto Rico. Listen, I, I thought he's he just helping our young kids in, in the mold of what Roberto Clemente did. How difficult is it for you and, and front office guys to sit down? You know, Figgy, you had to do it a bunch, I assume, you know, 
designate, you know, send him down, you designate for him, sign him. That that meeting sucks with the player. How difficult is it with a manager or, or a personnel where you have to give them the pink slip? Like, how difficult is that as a person to go through that and know they have a family and, and all that? And how difficult are those meetings, Omar? They're very difficult. They're very difficult because, you know, the media, I, I think you got to, decisions are made, first of all, on players. And, you know, look, I, I think when you get in the business, you know, it's part of it. I think if you play in the game, uh, I mean, I, I could tell you that, that I, I, I've been uh, sent down, released a couple of times, but you can bounce back. So it's difficult. It's part of the, it's part of the game. Um, but you never want to, you know, you always want to be as fair as possible. You want to be as honest as possible and you want to be and let the guy know, listen, if you're being sent down, we're going to think about you. And, you know, the opportunity comes, we're going to send you back. But listen, it's very difficult to do that because look, uh, players, this is their living, and uh, you know, and, and there's something about playing in the major league, but anywhere playing in the minor league. When you send, when you release a kid in, in rookie ball, you release a kid that's a, you know, I was released in A ball. <laughs> so I'm telling you, man, let me tell you, it's not easy. You start new, but you try to what you try to do is look at people in the eye, tell them, you know, uh, being honest, say, hey, look, this is what we're doing, this is why. And if you go to the minor leagues, you know, we're going to keep an eye on you, and this is what we want you to do, and hopefully bring you back. And listen, a lot of guys, a lot of guys that have that believe in this is. It's a journey. It's a journey, and there's going to be bumps in the road, and hopefully. But I, I take a lot of pride in making sure that you know that I, I give the guys the best chance. And sometimes guys, a lot of people look at stats. Some guys, uh, the numbers are better than others. But when you put a team together, team building or team putting a team together is not only about stats. Figgy, do you remember times where Omar uh, had you step in the manager's office when they got to send you down or designate you for assignment? Oh, often, uh, often. Him and John Rico. Uh, John Rico was like the grim, the grim reaper. He, if you saw him around, you're like, oh, something's happening. And usually it was directed in my direction. So it's it's something, as Omar said, it's it's a difficult thing because you're all trying to do the same thing, right? I'm trying to be on a winning team. I'm trying to do my best effort to be part of that winning team. And when you can't see past your own self, it makes it very difficult. The older I got, it was... I, I took the demotions in a different way because I kind of could see the writing on the wall of, you know, this guy is coming off the DL and then this guy, you know, has to get called up because he's got an out in his contract. And you could see that as you get older. But when you're younger and that first, uh, you know, that first demotion happens, I, I remember when I got demoted by uh, Larry Boa, opening day was the next day after that. I was in a suit. We had just finished our last spring training game. And this is 2001. And my wife is already in, in Atlanta. We're, we're ready to open up the series. In Atlanta, Phillies versus Atlanta. And I remember getting called in the office and he tells me, hey, we're going to try and sneak you through waivers. And I had no idea about what it meant, you know, if, if you had to accept assignment, not accept assignment. All I remembered was remember in Major League when they, they put the pink slip in the locker and he went in there. Uh, Ricky Vaughn went into the manager's office, threw the ball and said, every time I pitch against you guys, I'm going to shove it up. That was me. I literally said it word for word. I was so pissed off. And he's like, you're actually just going to go to the minor leagues and we'll, maybe we'll call you up. And I was like, oh, damn, maybe that was a, a bad move right there. But that's your first instinct is you take it personal. And it's not a personal thing. At, at times, it's a business decision, but it's not a personal attack. And And we've seen it throughout. I mean, all the GMs that I've dealt with, all the assistant GMs, all the guys that it's part of the process and you have to learn how to be gracious because you don't want to burn bridges because the next time that 
an opportunity comes up. Listen, I had uh, you know I had an experience like that with Biggie. It was a tough decision at one time. I remember, I believe, it was late in spring. He had a very good spring training, and you know, so I had to be able to. I had to tell him, "Look, we're going to send you down." And it was this very emotional, like, but there's nothing wrong. It's what it is. It's just emotional, you know. Especially when you have a family, you have kids, you have uncertainty, you know, and you know it's a big difference in pay when you get to the major leagues and you're going to be paying in AAA. But I just remember having that conversation with Biggie and. Really Really similar to the Larry Boris situation. It was late in camp. Might have been, but Biggie was one of those pitchers. But at the same time, I was fortunate enough to be part of seeing Biggie pitching. One of my favorite moments, uh, whatever, I don't know what year that was, Big, but one of my favorite moments was watching Biggie pitching uh, in Shea Stadium at the time. Uh, we're bringing him up and his parents and SNY. They have his father, his mother, the grandmother. To me, I, I mean, I got chills still thinking about it because here's a guy, here's a local guy pitching in the big leagues and his whole family is there. I still remember, I think we were, we got you guys a suite, if I'm not mistaken. We got your family yeah, a Billy suite. suite. And it was a wonderful experience. And, and and listen, the one thing about that is, like, you know, one thing about you can say about Biggie and, and others, you know what? They bounce back. The history will show. They, they win now and they bounce back. And, and that's those are the kind of things that between the lows of sending a guy down, but you got the highs of seeing when these when guys come up and, and do well. Figgy is crying in the club right now. He is in tears. <laughs> He's emotional at uh, Omar's uh, speech there. Last one for you, Omar, and then we'll let you go. I know you got a busy day. The, the one trade or move you regret and then the one move that you loved, your favorite trade and your least favorite trade that you made. <laughs> wow. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of ones that you can say, I regret that one. I regret that one. You know what I'm saying? Because especially myself, I was a very active general manager, always trying to find a way to improve the tree. I listen, I I don't think when you think of regret, I, I don't you know, I, I I don't I tend not to. I think the one that you you know, listen, there's one everybody thinks of one that is you know, a big thing you may think of Pedro, you may think of Belcher, you may think of Agado, you may think of Billy Wagner. But you know which one was I feel like the most of us like him, that reflecting on? And it was the one that was similar to a player like Biggie was, okay? Uh, after 10, 12 years in the minor leagues, mostly in the minor leagues, I gave an opportunity to R.A. Dickey. And similar to, uh, to Biggie, R.A. Dickey, we sent down and up to the minor leagues. Uh, but different. He was the first guy sent to camp, mm-hmm. out of camp, because yeah. he was horrible. He was horrible. <laughs> horrible in camp. And they wanted to release him. And I said, no, because I have a lot of history with R.A. from Texas. And the bottom line is, from that release... In, in early spring training, he, he he found a way to come back and probably made, I mean, won the Cy Young after that. So that one, but that was a combination of baseball. I believe in him, but also somewhat, you know, it was a combination of believing in him, but somewhat because of caring for a player, he ended up doing well because we gave him a second chance. Omar Manaya, former Mets GM and ambassador now with the Mets. Corona native, the Corona Ice King. God, now I want a Corona Ice King. It's starting to get a little chilly here in New York. I don't know if I could I could do the Italian ice much longer, but Omar, we appreciate you coming on. Have a great off season, and we'll talk to you next year. Okay, guys. All the best. and Well, I'm the poster for for your 2021 season. So that's, that's, I'm very prestigious to know that I'm the closer. There you know, you, go. you, you were our Billy Wagner today, Omar. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, guys, all the best. That says adios to episode 91, the Carlos Gomez edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post.
Thanks to you, Jake and Brian Mungia, for producing the show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on Twitter at Amazing But True. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. One final episode. We return Monday for our season finale podcast. Assuming Rojas is done then, and if not, we'll have another one. Enjoy the final games of the year, and thanks for listening.